coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. A lot of times I have talent that will come to me that sometimes I coach. One of the things that I always say is you want to have a product that's relatable and real and honest and truthful in your sound because you might be the next big thing. If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate narration, tell us what to say. Explain a video, imaging radio, slinging local cars, read an IVR. No, we ain't no stars. This is the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. Happy New Year, Bobby. Happy New Year, Kevin. Here we are, first podcast of 2022, and it is a good one. Uh, I'll tell you, we've got a legend in the voiceover industry on with us today. He is the voice to ABC, voice to CBS, CW, Fox, NBC Networks, and affiliates. He does documentaries. He does promos. He does it all. He is the president of Bob Tracy Worldwide, the multi-talented Bob Tracy. Wow. I am so excited to hear what I'm going to say. I can't wait. <laughs> Kevin, you know, this, all that build up. Yeah, we're, we're rec- uh, recording this early in the morning. We have our morning voices on. I think we might actually be able to compare to Bob just a bit. <laughs> with the- Maybe. Wow. Bob, wow. Uh, Bobby always compares herself to Brenda Vaccaro whenever she has to read something early in the morning. Yeah, oh, Brenda Vaccaro. <laughs> Bobby, I do an impersonation of Brenda Vaccaro. Can I do my Brenda Vaccaro? Please. Absolutely. You know, I was down by the dock the other day. <laughs> and then I realized. <laughs> Smoke. Sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Because I always could, it seemed like there was a lot of breath there. And I was always very sensitive to breath because I had a guy on radio when I was like 18 years old. And he would say to me, you know, Bob, I can hear you breathing on the air. I can hear you breathing. Wow. And I'd say, but isn't breath essential to life? <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, today we are going to talk about the evolution of the announcer. And who better to talk about a subject like this than Bob Tracy? Because Bob has been in this business a long time. He has much experience. And Bob, when you started in the business, uh, what was it, the, the the mid-90s, early 90s? And the announcer was prevalent. It was, The announcer was the thing at the time, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, nobody was a voice actor. Nobody had evolved to that steady step. But uh, Kevin and Bobby, may I say, first of all, the last time I was here, Bobby, we didn't get to talk about you. You at all. I mean, I know nothing about you, Bobby. Tell me about Bobby. Just for a second. Give me give me the 30 seconds. We're in an elevator. Tell me about Bobby. Because I know about Kevin. Kevin's a great guy. I enjoyed working with him. But what about you, Bobby? Tell me about Bobby. Are you serious? Are we are we really gonna do this Let's right do now? It. Yes, I want to know about oh Bobby. I want to know about Bobby. And I didn't mean to throw you off, Kevin. We will go right to that because I have prepared. I have worked hard on this. I studied. I crammed. I am ready oh to go. Oh, my gosh. But, Bobby, tell me about Bobby. Well, I live in my hometown still, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, grew up in the radio industry. Many, many decades of radio. Um, eventually, How many, Bobby? 30 uh, something. Okay. God bless you. Now, did you stay mostly in the Ohio? Were you mostly in Ohio for radio or did you have to gypsy around? My first gig was in Vegas um, because I couldn't find a job here. Right. And um, so I I stayed in Vegas for two years and um, then came back. But the rest of it was here. And then like six years ago, uh, five years ago, I just got tired of the corporate BS and said, you know what? I have a few regular clients in voiceover that I did on the side and I'm going to go for it. And it's been the best decision I've made in a long, long time. 
So were you part of the Happy Good Morning Wake Up Show? Did you do afternoons? What were, where, where were you? <laughs> the morning zoo? I, I did <laughs> mornings for <laughs> two <laughs> years. I am not a morning person, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I imagine, as Larry Lujak said in his book, you must feel like you're always on drugs, yes. like you're always half asleep. And you're so angry the rest of the day. It's like, don't, I just want to sleep. <laughs> Everybody I worked with in radio would drink like a pot of coffee and smoke a pack of camels every day. <laughs> you know, so they're using the nicotine to calm down. And I would, you know, mostly just drink the coffee. So I would be like, no, it's just wired. Come Sunday, I'd have cotton mouth and this massive <laughs> pounding headache. And when I stopped drinking coffee, especially caffeinated coffee, you know, the, it activates the hypothalamus in your brain, the mm. fight or flight syndrome. Anyway, <laughs> and nice to learn about you. Oh, you know, I, I felt like last time I, I was just, you know, it was a lot of talk about Bob and we didn't hear anything about Bobby. Kevin, it's your show, so you can talk about you all the time. Well, it's both of your shows. So <laughs> anyway. You know, it's funny, Bobby's. A couple of episodes ago, I told Bobby, I said, you take the lead on this one. I feel like I've been commandeering the entire thing uh, at times. I want, let's talk. It's all about Bobby's needs this episode. So we did an episode just for yeah. her. And it was the best episode ever, yeah, right? It was the things. best ever. You know, <laughs> Women are made from perfection. Men are made from dirt. This is what happens, you know, if you believe the Bible. I am one of nine children, so I am used oh, to wow. Giving cool. others the stage, so no problem at all. <laughs> no, that's nice. That's nice. You know, uh, Kevin, I, I'm so thankful that you asked me to do this topic because I have always thought about that. I was in a phone booth the other day looking for my VHS tape when my PDA went down and I thought, I got to get a Crystal Pepsi and I really want to put on my Earth shoes, but I've got this floppy disk here. I want to put an MP3 on, but it won't hold it because it's only 144 megabytes. So I stopped into a restaurant. I had some pressed duck. I got a disposable camera at the photo mat, but then I thought, you know, I'd rather Kodachrome. <laughs> so I looked down to my Newton where I had put down a little, little thing there to write down, and I, and I thought, you know, when I was in school and the teacher put something up on the overhead projector, I had to look in a classified ad on a paper map to figure out what was going on. <laughs> Those oh are things we used to rely on Ugh. and depend on all the time that were current and common, but we really don't see or use or have that much anymore. That's amazing. I love those references, man. The same thing is true about the way we do voice acting, the same way we do voiceover. Sounds and styles that were popular at one time, that were current at one time, today, because of the way things change, are different. Those are all things we don't have anymore. You know, when was the last time you looked at a VHS tape, right? Exactly. Did you ever have a, a PDA? Did you ever have one? Remember Barack Obama brought his to the White House? It was I the first time that. ever the Secret wow. Service yeah, had to give clearance that. for a personal device to yeah, the president. So. Did you have one of those? I jumped straight from a flip phone, though, to a smartphone. What was the big one? Palm Pilot? Everything. I had the BlackBerry oh, phone. Okay, yeah. BlackBerry. Everything is constantly changing. You've heard the expression, it's a cinch by an inch, but it's hard by the yard. Everything is constantly changing a little bit at a time. And with that is the role of the announcer. You asked me when I started in radio, you know, the sound of people on the radio was still, you know, 77 WABC, going to be a cold day today. You know, it was that kind of run radio sound. Yeah. Many of the announcers and folks who worked in television or folks who did advertising, because society and culture influences media and advertising, and I'll use advertising and industry as one word, and then media slash advertising and the industry, the 
industry that advertising serves to help sell products influences society and culture. Does that sound like a true statement to you guys? Mm -hmm. For sure. So how much of a mix it is, how much does advertising, you know, and media cause society to be the way it is? Or how much does society cause advertising and the industries to be the way they are? It's symbiotic. Well, yeah, it is. And so is it a 50-50 mix? You know, is it because in 1971 with some smart ad guys said, hey, that's a catchy song. I like that song. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect. You know, OK, I don't want to get into any. Harmony. Right, exactly. You know, we don't want to get any licensing issues. But suddenly there's a Coca-Cola commercial playing that the whole world is singing the song. It's a period of time in which America is still in the Vietnam War. We're kind of coming out of the war era. You know, Watergate is still to come and all these things, but it unifies America. So does culture influence the advertising or did the advertising influence culture? By 1984, when Clara Peller said, where's the beef for the Wendy's spot? Suddenly politicians are going, well, I want to talk about my opponent here. Now, where's the beef in that? You know, and that next thing you know, it's it's a catchphrase and everybody's Mm. got it. So with that, for us as talent... If you want to stay relevant and you want to still pay the mortgage, then you need to stay current. You know, Kevin or Bobby, are your sounds the way you sound today? Is it the same as when you started? A penny for your thoughts. Oh, heck no. No. Hi, Kevin, how have you changed? Uh, I've gotten training and trying to get rid of the, the radio announcer sound that I, you know, came into this business with. Yeah. You know, when I came into this business, I was Johnny Goodvoice, and that got me <laughs> far. I mean, it, it did. It you know it it made it for the lack of acting chops. Well, you know, I, I've been training over the last several years. You know, I, sure. if I want to get those better gigs, you got to train. You got to evolve. How about you, Bobby? How have you changed? Ditto on the conversational thing, um, and then in addition, just trying to sound like me and not trying to emulate others in the industry. So those two things. Yeah. You know, I said that to somebody one time when I was coaching. I said, when I learned to do me, boy, things really took mm-hmm. off. I was in the car one day with a, a longtime girlfriend from, from grade school. We would go Christmas shopping every year. You know, we'd spend like one whole day together. We'd just shop and we'd just have fun and be silly and do stuff. And we're in the car one day. We're listening to a radio station. And there was a talent on there whose name I won't mention who was very natural sounding. He had a deep, rich, you know, uh, chain-smoking camels and trench, <laughs> nicotine and trench voice. And she... She turns to me in the car and she always calls me Robert. She says, Robert, why don't you sound like that? (laughs) Now, I thought I sounded like that. And he sounded sort of like this. Another song from Steely Dan coming up right after this. You know, it was that kind of sort of late 80s, early 90s relaxed sound. And I said to her, well, what do you mean I don't sound like that? You know, she said, well, you sort of sound different. And I said, well, how do I sound different? She said, well, she said, you sound you sound more. She's a more fake I said, fake? What do you mean fake? And I finally realized what she meant, that I was still doing that kind of thing that I thought the way people sort of shouted when they were on the radio. You know, it's kind of a shout that they had. And (laughs) and when I go back and I listen to my early work in that period of time, I think to myself, I never would have hired this kid. I never would have hired this 16-year-old child who is doing some kind of idea of what he thinks people on the radio sound like. But I didn't understand budgeting and how management works back then. And they just needed a warm body to fill in on Sunday nights. Right, right. (laughs) 
right? Cheap labor. Yeah, cheap labor who would work from midnight to 9 a.m. on a Saturday night, Sunday morning. So, yes, there's a constant evolution that's always going on because if we went to get work at NBC at 30 Rockefeller Center in New York on the same day when Don Pardo was hired in 1944, we would be sounding a certain way that would be influenced by culture and society because in the early days of radio and broadcasting, many of the actors and performers that went before a mic came from the stage. So they were thespians. They were actors. They were performers. They were trained to project to the back of the room, the back of the theater, so the person in the last row could hear the softest line from Henry V. Those men now bet in England would think themselves accursed. Now you become a radio broadcaster and you bring some of that with you. The time at the tone is... <laughs> Orson Welles tells a great story about being a radio actor in New York. And he used to do a lot of different shows for a lot of different networks. And he'd have to run around to different studios, which were kind of far apart in New York. And the traffic in Manhattan has always been bad. It always will be bad. He found out he could hire an ambulance to drive him around to different studios. So he had you know lights and siren wailing as he went from NBC to CBS. If we were going in on that day, we would sort of, to some degree, be emulating the sound that had been brought from stage. Now you get hired as an actor to work in radio, and now you've got to sort of tone it down a little bit, but to some degree, you're still doing what you learned to do on stage. The time at the tone <laughs> is two o'clock. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. That's part of culture coming into media and advertising. So if you wanted to work in those days and you showed up and you did, the time at the tone is two o'clock. Boop, boop, boop. There's a, uh, no thanks. You're too laid back. You're too relaxed yeah. because we're still broadcasting on AM, which is amplitude modulation, and we need the louder sound to make the stronger signal, and culture and society expects that. There's a program they run on Turner Classic Movies in between the main movies. It's James Fitzpatrick's Travel Talks. Either of you ever seen that? No. No. It was a 1930s actor who tried to make it as an actor, but he couldn't, but he got in the business somehow, and he just sort of fell into this thing in which he traveled around the world in a period of time in the 30s and 40s. So if you wanted to see what Asia looked like, you would have to wait for James Fitzpatrick's travel talks to go into the theater in which he showed you really good film of what China looked like or maybe what India looked like. If you wanted to see the Taj Mahal, you know, you were waiting for a newsreel. You were waiting for Lowell Thomas to tell you about what the Taj Mahal looked like and you'd get to see some film. He couldn't get work today because he sounds terrible by our standards today. And now we're looking at here the Taj Mahal, one of the greatest buildings <laughs> you will see in India. It was made by the man for a gift to his wife. You know, it's that kind of thing. He was presenting it more than speaking. Yeah. He's presenting it, you know, and but also in a style that if we did a presentation today, you wouldn't, you know, if you put a TED Talk on and the person on stage sounded like that, you would either think, is this a joke? Is it a spoof? Is it a yeah. gag? Right. So society and culture, as it's changing, I mean, let's talk about the George Floyd summer. Because of the murder of George Floyd and the way things went down, suddenly society is protesting in the streets around the world. But what happened because of that? The industry, media, advertising, and many manufacturers of products said, you know what? We need to be more responsive to this. So today, one year later, do we not hear a great uptick in African-American and female yes. voices because of yes. it? Yes, on screen as well. On screen, yeah. on mic, everywhere. And for me... 
Bravo. Oh. I'm so yes. glad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because never once in my life did I ever get a piece of copy that read across the top, try to go for a white waspy sound. <laughs> but often copy included the direction that said, could I have a more urban sound? Could I have a black sound? Which I would not do. I'd refuse to do it, but it was given often by people in advertising or from a client who was going to be advertising on an urban radio station and wanted that sound. But for me, it wasn't right. I, I, I did me, you know? This is what I do, you know? If you want me, hire me. If you want somebody else, hire them. But don't ask me to be somebody I'm not. But there was never copy that came in that said that. It was always the other way. So hopefully we've grown past that and we're growing through it and we grow on to better things. Skip it a ba ba ba. Because there are so many really, really good, diverse talent out there that just have not gotten the opportunity. I'm so happy to see they are. Never, never. Yeah. You know, I mean, why does the fat guy in television and film always have to be the dope? You know, the fat, bald guy. (laughs) I, I don't I don't get it. The hunky hero white guy gets killed at the beginning of the film. Yeah, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know about you guys, but when I was in school and suddenly music with a beat that was fun to dance to at the fourth grade dance was now like, oh, it's disco music. You're not going to play any disco music, are you? We need to hear some Van Halen, man. You know, give us something we can dance to. You walk this way, you know. Okay, again, we've got to label stuff. I guess we've got to put labels on things because it makes it easier. I mean, auditions still to this day come with labels, but society and culture influences music media and advertising and the industries that advertising represents. So from the first day that the first advertising agency in our country in the 1800s opened in Philadelphia, the job of the agency was to get people to buy products. But that's our job, really, to communicate, hey, we have a value for you. We have a service for you. We have something of quality for you. Let's do it, as you just said, Bobby, with the voice that most relates. So, Bobby, when you get voiceover work, what what kind of work are you still being pigeonholed into one area or has the horizon open for you and people say no no let's use bobby on this and it's something you normally wouldn't get i think it's pretty wide open it just depends on you know how creative i want to be on my end and how how young i want to go you know if i want to make it a character it's it's the sky's the limit really i am not pigeonholed at all well, let's talk about characters in a second. Kevin, how about you? I mean, because I know you mostly for automotive advertising and other things that require a strong, powerful voice, right? Yes, exactly. I've evolved over the last few years, and and, and Bobby pretty much was the impetus of this because she and I became friends, and uh, she said, hey, are you going to voiceover Atlanta, this conference? And I'm like, I, yeah. I, I'm in voiceover, and I've been doing this for 15 years. I, I, I know what I'm doing. You know, I kind of had that mindset. I'm like, yeah, right. I better open myself up to some of this stuff. And then, Bob, it's been, it's been a game changer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've started training. And, and so that being said, to answer your question, I find myself like I'm getting dad roles for commercials. Sure. I'm getting, a, a, you know, conversational. I'm getting next door neighbors. Right. I'm so honored to uh, have played the part of man number one last week or a couple weeks ago in a spot. I feel <laughs> like I've made it. That's great. Here's your man number one crown. 
Well, I think you really know you've made it when you've gotten that scam email that says they want to hire you to be an announcer for a game show. Have you gotten that one yet? Yes, yes. I have. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Welcome to the crazy. club. Congratulations. <laughs> See, now what I'm afraid of is when they call from Jeopardy, you know, for you, you're going into acting. You're becoming more of an actor. There's a story that I heard online a while ago from Bill Ratner. Don LaFontaine used to have a party at his home in California, <laughs> and everybody was invited to his house. And Don LaFontaine pulls Bill Ratner off to the side. Now, Bill Ratner had worked a beautiful music station in Los Angeles for many years. I mean, just got that voice, you know, and there were so many guys that work beautiful music or yeah. easy listening music. I used to work with a guy named Bill Neal. He was an NBC network announcer. Oh, yeah. yep. And oh my yep. goodness, he, Kevin, he just has the voice we, we always wanted to have. I mean, you've got a great voice. He had that voice. It's like three octaves deeper, you know, like a Thurl wow. Ravenscroft. You know Thurl Ravenscroft? Yes, yes. If you don't know Thurl Ravenscroft, uh, Tony, they're great. You know, that's Thurl Ravenscroft. They, uh, Tony the Tiger. Yeah, absolutely. And he's the voice of the Haunted Mansion and so many things. He's the voice of the Grinch. You're a mean one, <laughs> Mr. Grinch. You know, that's Thurl Ravenscroft. Well, he had that kind of voice. Bill Ratner, he's at this party with Don LaFontaine at Christmas time, and Don LaFontaine pulls him off the side, takes him into the dining room, sits him down, and he says to him, it's all from the head. It's not coming from the heart. Mm. Bill, I'm going to make myself cry. And then there's a pause. And suddenly Don LaFontaine is crying at the table. And Bill said he felt a little awkward, a little uncomfortable. But what he was basically communicating was the read has to come from the heart. And as an actor and as a performer, I'm trained to act as if. So if I'm playing, a, you know, a bald-headed billionaire with my own rocket ship, I have to act as if I would be that person. And all of that comes through the sound of the voice. How many times I will hear somebody in an interview or something and I'll say, oh, they're guilty. Listen to their voice. Listen. They can just right there. They're guilty. You can tell. <laughs> because there's a Bible reference that says out of the goodness of the heart comes the words of the mouth. You can hear in the inflection, in the tone, in the quality. I was in a relationship with a woman 20 years ago. Sometimes I think the thing you're gifted with can be the thing that really can be your downfall or be your destruction. She and I were talking about some different things. She says, you know what? Do you hear the way you're talking to me right now? Do you hear the way you're using your voice like that? She said, if you spoke to me like that all the time, you would own me. She said, but when you raise your voice and you start to get angry and you start to talk to me, rah, 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 she said, that's when I want to punch you in the face. So there's so much that's communicated through the voice there. I believe why advertising in its own smart way has recognized advertising needs to be real and relatable. So before, Bobby, you mentioned characters. Do you do character voices? Do you actually create new and different unique voices? Or tell me, what is that? I, I don't do animation or gaming Um but I have done a couple of video games, like um, children's video games, where I was characters. Okay. But, but or, I'm sorry, not video games, but movies. Um, but when I say characters, it's more like in the, getting into the, the smarmy Tina Fey type sound. Sure. sure. That's a character for me, not so much as like, you know, having to be a, a stork or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, th that's character. Just really getting into a different sound from what, I, what you hear now. Skip it a boop ba ba. 
Well, Kevin, you know, and that's awesome, Bobby. Kevin, like you, I felt like, you know, I've been doing this since I was three years old. I went on stage for the first time unprompted at three years old. I grabbed the microphone. I made a little announcement. I sang a song. People applauded. You know, my mother turned to my father. My father turned to my mother and said, did you send him up there? No. Did you send him up there? No. And then my dad got me and grabbed me from the stage in the Pocono Mountains, as I said last time when we were on together. And I thought to myself, as a child, I remember this. Dad, I'm killing. What are you doing? Leave me up here. You know, I'm enjoying this. (laughs) So I had never really had any kind of formal training at all whatsoever. It was just all sort of self-taught because as an infant child, my first word was radio, Mm. radio. My mother would turn on the New York radio stations, which were filled with all these legendary talent. They, They were radio. They were announcers. They were the industry and the business to me. So in listening to them as an infant, I was sort of formulating this sound. When it comes to characters, you know, one of the best things I ever did was get some more education. So my mother encourages me to take this community voice class at a community school at night for $25. I say to her, Mom, you got to be kidding. A community (laughs) school? You know, this is like, I I can't go to this. This is ridiculous. I should be teaching this class. She's like, no, no, I think you should go to it. I mean, look, it says singing, speech, and more. And there was this woman's name, and I'll just make up a name, Emily Grunwald. And she badgered me for two years to take this $25 class. So I finally said to her, you know what? All right, just to get you off my back, I'll take it. But you've got to take it too, because I was going to punish her and make her sit through this horrible, terrible class. I go to this class. It's this old Viennese opera singer who looks like (laughs) the woman you would cast in the part of the voice singing acting coach in the movie Fame. She was probably 82 years old at the time. Tall, thin, very statuesque, beautiful, elegant, long blonde hair. Always wore those flowing like silk kind of pants, you know, and she'd have this gorgeous red top on with a big, long red scarf that would almost drag on the floor. And she spoke like this. Oh, we're going to learn. We're going to sing. You know, I thought, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Well, that woman took my career to like the whole next level. And one of the things I explained to her in those days was you would drive to studios. You were always in your car forever and ever and ever. And all the stress of driving to all those different studios. And you're, and then you'd get there and you'd have to do Gerber baby food. You know, and it would be this <laughs> relaxed read that you couldn't do. And you'd look around the room and all the other talent were sitting there. You know, it was 83 degrees outside. They had like blankets and sweaters around their necks to keep their necks relaxed and warm. And they're doing all the neck exercises so everybody could do the, you know, earth shoes. They're the soft easy way to walk. Read while they were waiting to rehearse. And she helped me get to that by teaching me some exercises, teaching me how to control my breath diaphragmatically. So about 20 years later, a woman named Stevie Valance, look her up. She is an Emmy award winning voice director, actor, performer. She was Christopher Reeve's girlfriend in a movie, long line of credits. She was on a show called The Ropers, which was a sequel from Three's Company. I remember that. Yeah. For three oh, yeah. yeah, she played Jenny, Stevie <laughs> Vallis, Canadian-American and uh, still very active in the business. SAG-AFTRA was offering her as a class and I saw it and I was the first person to sign up because I knew I needed more. I needed, like you said, more education. So in her class, learning, you know, again, just to and the whole point of her class was it's not about the voice. It's about your mindset. It's about your heart set. So in staying current to the current sounds and the current reads, first of all, find your real honest voice. When you're alone in the dark, naked by yourself, how do you talk to yourself? How do you speak? What do you say? I typically sing. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and what would be the number one song on that? It's a wonderful morning. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful day. <laughs> That's great. That's great. In finding, like I said before, when I learned to do me, boy, things really took off because I was really, you know, Bobby, you mentioned Tina Fey. We use Tina Fey as a point of reference. But one of the exercises that Stevie Valance had us do was to create creatures, to create new, never before discovered creatures, beings, characters. And in her class, she has beautifully prepared materials in which she had professional artists create a whole bunch of new characters that are somewhat recognizable. You know, like there's the little alien Martian character that isn't Marvin the Martian, but sort of like that, and so on and so forth. And she must have about 50 or 100 of them that she provides to you in her class. But your job is to now create new voices for that. And at one point, there's an exercise where everybody's sort of round robin. Everybody's going to do it. So sooner or later, you come up. The class gets to pick the creature character you will be. And then they get to throw out ideas to you that you kind of would do in character. So I got a character that looks sort of like Commissioner Gordon. Gordon from the Batman comics. Remember Commissioner Gordon? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now people are throwing out ideas. And I've already been doing some, some stuff in the classroom there. Do it like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> if you're under the age of 40, just YouTube Jimmy Stewart. But the guy in A Wonderful Life. Okay. Now somebody else says, but make him a nun. And then somebody in the back yells, singing nun. You know, Stevie says, no, no, that's a little bit too much. And I said, no, 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 let me try it. She says, well, you better do it good because I love Jimmy Stewart. Oh, 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 you know, and I start doing Jimmy Stewart and I start singing like Jimmy Stewart and I realize you've sort of created a new character. And then from that, on my own, after the class, weeks later, I decided I've got to come up with my own characters and I've got to create a demo reel of new and original characters and creatures. And then from that, I created a reel of also sounds, sounds of monsters and sounds of uh, dinosaurs and sounds of, you know, little squirrely things. So I like... You know, kind of stuff like that, plus a little... Because within voice acting, there's a huge range of things we can do, and I want to pay the mortgage. You know, I, I want to keep yeah. food on the table. It sounds a lot like uh, improv classes today, which I would encourage anybody in voiceover to take. There you go. That was my next point. Yeah. So going to improv, going to anything that helps you expand your horizon to be able to put yourself within that character to act as if. For me, too, though, the other thing that's happened is if somebody is looking for a specific ethnicity or they're looking for a certain orientation... If that's not who I am, then I don't audition for that. I will alert friends and colleagues in the business and say, hey, they're looking for this person to do this kind of read, or they're looking for that person to do that kind of read. But if it's not who I am, then I pass it on to the folks who are and bless them, because there's more than enough work to go around to everybody. <laughs> it's society and culture influencing media and advertising in the industry, and then media advertising in the industry influencing society and culture, so that through the George Floyd summer... And protest worldwide, now the worldwide audience of voice actors and performers are now available to be in advertising. The sound of the voice talent, the voice actor reflects that. Because if you're truly an actor, Kevin, in your acting classes, what kind of exercises do you do? Skip it about Papa. Oh, it's more about uh, getting into where are you in this scene? And that's a lot of that. You know, it's... Uh yeah, just tell me where you are. Who are you talking to? What's the situation? That kind of stuff. To me, that's what I was going to say, relatability. How are you relatable in that moment? Yeah. If somebody comes to you and says, geez, you know, my dog died. 
You're not going to, wow, that's terrible. You're not going to do that. <laughs> because you, Unless you're the obnoxious jerk of a neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, which is comedy. Because also, the other thing that goes hand in hand with society and culture influences media and advertising and flip-flop is, don't we really have three tiers of advertising work we work in? There's the local advertising. So that's Bill's Gun Barn, Jennifer's Real Estate, right? That's local advertising. Slippery Pete's Auto Repair. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. You've worked with them. You can always count on Slippery Pete. That's right. It take a long time to pay. Then you've got regional <laughs> advertising, which is like a, a large grocery chain or maybe a, a dealer group, a group of maybe Dodge dealers. Your South Florida Honda dealers. Yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. Then you've got the coup de gras, which is national or international level advertising. When we look at the local advertiser, Bill's Gun Barn, I used to do Bill's Gun Barn every Christmas Eve, and the spot would run four or five times during Christmas programs. It always seems so odd to me, you know, to be advertising guns in the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior. That never seemed to go together, but Bill loved to sponsor it, and, you know, God bless him. As far as the voice was concerned, he wasn't really that concerned with a certain sound to his advertising. Now, as all this trickles down from national advertising to regional advertising to local advertising, eventually Bill starts to become aware, you know what, maybe I want to use a female voice in the spot now because I do have a large number of female customers, and I'm selling more weaponry to females, you know, and within those three levels, you have to decide where do you want to work, right? Isn't that also another aspect of this? Yes. Yeah, definitely. So what is your goal? If you want to work at national level advertising, then what you're doing as a performer needs to sound like national level advertising. And you sort of have to be creating the next thing. A lot of times I have talent that will come to me that sometimes I coach. One of the things that I always say is you want to have a product that's relatable and real and honest and truthful in your sound because you might be the next big thing. I had a woman that is uh, from England and she had a very distinct British accent. She was very upset because an acting coach she had been working with for over five years kept telling her, you're not ready to do your demo yet. And I said, nonsense. Let's hear what you've got. Let's hear what you can do. I wrote a couple of scripts for her, sent them off to her. I said, you just record them and let me hear what you think on those and what she thought was great. And I took them back and I produced them for her and I gave her a product that she then used and said, hey, thanks. You know, I'm getting some work with this. So you might be the next big thing. There was this little girl named Stephanie. Everybody remember Stephanie when she was on uh, The Sopranos? Remember Stephanie? Remember the actress Stephanie? I never watched that show. I didn't either. Uh, Okay, the well, only there was two this... people, Kevin. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, if you haven't heard, it's about this nice family from New Jersey. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so, Stephanie played AJ, that's Tony Soprano's son's girlfriend, in an episode in which AJ and a buddy of his break into their private school in the wintertime and go for a swim in the heated pool. Then after they're done swimming in teenage angst, they decide to knock over the trophy case of the, the swim team, and they do some damage. Well, this actress Stephanie is in those scenes. That actress went on to do some more auditions, but nothing really clicked for her until she became Lady Gaga. Uh, uh, she was in Stephanie The Sopranos? Giliata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby, you were in radio for that. a long time. You get wow. those trivia sheets, don't you? You get the, like, trivia update. You know? <laughs> I never saw that one. Okay. No, I did not know she was in the So what I have told a lot of actors and performers who have come to me is, hey, maybe your sound, your read is the next big thing. Yeah. Paul Rudd is really hot right now. He just got people's sexiest man of the year. Uh, we're talking 2021, you know, if you're listening to this five years in the future. And um, <laughs> all of a sudden, a lot of auditions 
musicians I have have Paul Rudd as the reference. Yeah. You know, looking for a yeah. Paul Rudd sound, right? Have you seen that? Yes, I have. Idris Alba, you know, is kind of sound. And so, uh, to the best of your ability, you're sounding that way. But the other thing I also say, and this is the last thing I'll say, is you still have to be true to you and your sound and your read. Because that's the bread and butter. That's the money. That's who you are. So be honest to who you are. Be truthful to who you are because who you are may be exactly who they're looking for. Because for years, I tried to be other people. And like I've said twice already, here comes for the third time. When I learned to do me, things really took off. Because I feel like God designed me in a specific way. You know, so why am I fighting against this? I have curly, wavy hair. Why am I trying to make it straight? Well, because all the other cool kids have straight hair. I used to have a pair of plastic vinyl shoes. Wow. My mother bought me these shoes when I was in grade school. When I was in elementary school, they looked just like leather. And they felt like leather. And I didn't realize that they were. So we used to go outside for a gym class. And my feet would burn in these shoes. But I also wore, like, nice dress pants and, like, little, like, dress shirts. You know, like a little businessman. Meanwhile, kids are wearing jeans and T-shirts. And they're wearing, the, you know, Nikes and <laughs> a D. And there weren't sneakers. And I always got made fun of, but I started to see it as a badge of honor. It meant I was different. And as an actor and as a performer, gosh, man, I mean, name some of your favorite actors, Bobby. Name, who, who do you like? Who do you enjoy seeing? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, Kevin, you jump in too. Who do you like? Whenever I was a kid, it was always Clint Eastwood. Always. Clint Eastwood. I, I like Diane Lane. Diane um, Lane, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. What's the one where she's living in Italy? Oh, that's that's one of my very favorite movies. Yeah, it's um, the... Um, can't think of it. That's a great movie. Well, yeah. some, somebody look it up for us and let us know, okay? <laughs> let me get my vast staff to work on it. Hey, somebody look up that movie. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's Under the Tuscan Sun. That's the movie. Those people... Uh, Kevin, you mentioned Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood got told so many times, We can't hear you. Speak up. You can't hear me. What do you mean, punk? I am speaking up. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we can't hear you. Make it louder. Or can't you do more like a John Wayne voice? Aha, uh -huh, pilgrim. No, I can't because I'm Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Imagine if Clint Eastwood had started speaking up. He wouldn't be Clint Eastwood. Diane Lane has a beautiful, unique quality. There's a movie she's in when she was a child. Diane Lane was in a movie called A Little Romance. She's young. I don't know what her age is with Laurence Olivier. A Little Romance. Yeah, yeah. You can see Diane Lane shining through being Diane Lane as a child in this movie with Laurence Olivier. Wow. And Olivier told her in that movie, you are going to be a great star. Now, when you think about Laurence Olivier, who is probably one of the greatest British actors of all time, when he did his telling of Henry V on the insistence of Winston Churchill, because Churchill knew they needed the St. Crispin's Day speech to motivate the British. And by showing that film in theaters all across Britain, the British were victorious and lost just a few hundred men while the French had enormous casualties. Meanwhile, in World War II, at the insistence of Winston Churchill, Laurence Olivier does that movie. And the famous St. Crispin's Day speech that I was doing before and making fun of, when you watch Laurence Olivier do it, as opposed to the 1980s Kenneth Branagh version, well, for us, the Kenneth Branagh version is real because he's doing it in the vernacular of the day. You know, Jesus spoke in easy-to-understand word pictures in the vernacular of the day. For us in advertising, when we get a piece of copy, when we get a script, we have to 
just speak in the vernacular of the day that will appeal to the casting agent, that will appeal to the client and the writer and the producer in the real, honest, truthful voice of who you are. And that's the thing I always try to remember. Be who you are. Okay, turn up the volume a little bit sometimes, pull down the volume, increase the bass, increase the treble, make it a little sharper, make it a little softer, but it's always going to be Kevin. It's always going to be Bobby. And somebody's going to say, wow, now, now who's that? Bobby Maxwell. Wow, I've never I've never heard her before. Wow, she's great. Where you been hiding, Bobby? <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I feel like we've got to do. That's Scat Worthy. Bob, that is great. Thank you so much for this. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to have to kind of move forward. And okay. I'm going to ask you uh, a favor, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. I, I know I'd talked to you about possibly doing... A, uh, a nightmare session story where, uh, you know, oh, we great. do a regular feature. We do a few, few regular features. Uh, a nightmare session, you know, it could be a session that couldn't have gone worse. But we also do a segment called the Cold Read Challenge. Oh, now, good. Bob, this is not gotcha journalism. Not gotcha journalism. <laughs> but I didn't know if you would be interested in doing a Cold Read Challenge. That's where I send you a piece of copy. I've prepared something and I set you up for success and you kind of pop it open and you just read. Yeah, let's do Are it. Are you up for that? Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's I, do it. I, I just sent it to your email, um, the one we've been corresponding on. This is one of our favorite yeah, features. Let me, let me get online. If it'd be easier, I could do a yeah. screen share. Cool. Let me just bring this up on the big screen over here. And I got to do this. You know, those kids today are using the Google, and I got to get on the Google. <laughs> the Google. <laughs> okay, let's see. Here it is. Cold Read Challenge. Woohoo! And you even said it in big uppercase text. Wow, how exciting. And I can make that a 72-point Verdania if you need me to. 72-point. <laughs> okay, Kevin has sent me something. Okay, let me click on it. Let me open it. Okay, now you want me to read the direction and then just go cold on this? Please. Is there a time on this? Is the clock running? No time. Is the no time. You know, <laughs> Drew, Drew Carey, is the clock running? <laughs> well, I hear the yodeler. <laughs> and then he falls off the edge. Okay, here it is. I just received a piece of cold copy from Kevin. It says, direction, scathing, dramatic news, topical. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Cold read challenge. <laughs> Three, two, one. Tonight on WVOP News at 11. What happens when an old woman living in a shoe has so many children she didn't know what to do? She gave them broth without any bread, then whipped them all soundly and put them to bed. WVOP investigates the whipping woman of wingtip way. Plus, Bobby Maxwell has your middle class forecast and Kevin Kilpatrick with sports. Tonight on WVOP News at 11. <laughs> How is that? That's I got excellent. Like that. I think you think I could do this kind of thing? Maybe you think this is something for me to look into? Hey, oh, hey what do you man. think? Yeah. I think you could do it. That was good. That was a good. You didn't copy. miss a beat. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe if you try real hard. <laughs> That's exactly how I heard it in my head. <laughs> wow. I started researching yesterday. I'm like, what's like a little nursery rhyme that's a little dark that he could do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, man. Well, Bob, it's been a real treat. Thank you so much, Bob. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Been an honor having you on. It's been two years since we did the last one. Can you believe two years already? No. Wow. Wow. Well, we're definitely going to do it again. If you'll have us, we're, we're going to do it again. Bob Tracy of Bob Tracy Worldwide, Worldwide Voice, Worldwide Everything, Worldwide Great Guy. Thanks, Bob. Happy holidays to you. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. God bless you both, man, and just awesome. Thanks for allowing me to, to share a little with you.
Always a pleasure to have Bob Tracy on. He He's so good, so energetic, so forthcoming with uh, knowledge about the industry. And I, I, what do you think, Bobby? A, a good way to kick off 2022? I'm just a little intimidated. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> but something to look <laughs> look forward to or look up to, right? <laughs> no. Absolutely. And it's good to know that you can still make money in this industry as an announcer voice, quote unquote. Uh, but you just have to, as Bob talked about throughout the podcast, just to adapt to whatever the modern vernacular is. Yeah, some yeah. great tidbits in there. Really good. Absolutely. And we've got more coming up. And we, again, don't forget we have a special announcement to uh, let you know about. As soon as we're able to talk about the announcement, uh, we'll tell you. And it's a big one. We're very excited. We're very excited. So cool. Till next time. The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's Hair and Makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's Wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast.